0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Ian Jeffries, President and Chief Executive Officer of the American Association of Railroads. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with AAR's Ian Jeffries, next. Next. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The nation's railroad industry has paralleled the suffering of the rest of the country, first with global trade tensions with China, and then in weathering the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Ian Jeffries, president and CEO of the American Association of Railroads, says freight movement is picking up and Washington's future is more clear after a divisive election and a very painful challenge to democracy. Last week,
1: what we saw quite frankly was, was was a dangerous day in America, a sad day in America. It was dangerous not only to to the individuals who were who were caught in the path of quite frankly a, a riot, but it was also dangerous to our democracy and something that cannot be allowed to happen. I will say that I was encouraged that Congress convened and, and completed its work to, to certify the next president of the United States. So our democracy is strong, but it, but in every sense, it is also fragile and must be safeguarded. So it's important that we remember that. Some of the dust has settled on the, 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 the broader electoral landscape. Um, I, I'm not sure that... Uh, Going into Tuesday, uh, uh, the majority of folks thought we would end up uh, with a 50-50 Senate, but we're certainly there, certainly a, a closely divided House. And uh, from from where I sit and in my world, you know, a, a healthy split um, from from both sides and both chambers um, will hopefully result in in a push for bipartisanship um, on legislative efforts. That's that's where we need to be, and that's where the effort needs to be. Um, certainly, we're seeing a lot of uh, quick-moving developments for the incoming Biden administration. Uh, looking forward to to working with uh, former mayor, I guess, or, or still current mayor, but but future DOT secretary Buttigieg. I'm encouraged by his. Uh, quite frankly uh, uh, data-driven background, um, analytical point of view that, that he has expressed, and um, I think he'll be somebody that the industry can, can work with uh, on, on policy matters in front of us.
0: When we include and talk about the American Association of Railroads, who, who are we speaking of?
1: the AAR represents uh, the nation's railroads you know in one sentence and that's that's the class 1 railroads the largest railroads in the country uh we also represent several of uh several of America's short lines or smaller railroads we also represent Amtrak and beyond that, we represent um, a lot of the suppliers and uh, manufacturers as well through our associate program. So um, I can I can say without a doubt that when the AAR speaks in Washington, D.C., we are speaking for the industry writ large.
0: You're also speaking of public and private together because we all benefit from the work of uh, the rail industry and supplying products that we need and also products to our global customers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And... You know, one thing that differentiates rail infrastructure from from a lot of the other infrastructure in our country is is freight railroad is almost exclusively privately owned and maintained and operated our members invest about 25 to to 26 billion dollars a year back into their networks but you're you're exactly right though there's there's definitely a, a nexus with the public uh, whether it's um whether it's commuter rail moving across our tracks whether it's uh, um the interaction with communities on um on publicly owned tracks for 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 publicly owned commuter rail, um, we're we're always working with the public and certainly try to develop solid public partnerships as well.
0: We have seen a tremendous cyclical swing in agriculture even over the past few months. But prior to that, we had seen a long pendulum swing from the highs of uh, uh, the 2012-2013 the to some really difficult lows. And then on top of that, some challenges with trade. And then the COVID-19 took place. Uh, so as we entered 2020, what was the state of the rail industry following some of the disruption in trade that we had experienced?
1: So as we went into 2020, you're right, we were, we were in a, a, a state of uh, continued trade tension. We, we had seen the, the signing of USMCA, so the, you know, the successor to NAFTA was in place, um, ensuring trade continuity in North America. Um, but um, still with uh, significant tensions with um, with China um, when it comes to, to exports and imports uh, with, with that trading partner. Um, and then, of course, you're right, uh, uh, COVID hit with a vengeance. Um, it dropped rail traffic across the board uh, through the floor at about 30% um, at, at its very worst. But when you look back at 2020, uh, quite honestly, the, the bright spot will be grain. Um, I believe we were roughly five and a half percent higher year over year and uh May, I believe we moved the most grain that we have since the Clinton administration in 1996. So uh, it really turned into a banner year for for grain movements and ag movements writ large, um, especially here in these these recent last few months where we're seeing 20% year-over-year increases.
0: As I recall, the period of time that we were on the outs with China, there was just little or no product that was moving toward the Pacific Northwest but now that the chinese appetite for us corn and especially soybeans has improved again you've got a lot of rail traffic that's headed toward the northwest
1: you're exactly right there's a there's a colossal amount of export ag moving out of the northwest and uh, shuttle trains are running all day every day and uh, that appetite is huge and i know that uh, that our farmers and our railroads are are happy to do everything they can to uh, to fill that appetite because um that's that's one thing this country does great it's uh ag and export ag so um we're we're thrilled to see that demand and um hopefully it's something that continues into the future
0: was there a sigh of relief collectively when the usmca was signed from the rail industry
1: that's certainly true um that you know historically the aar was not really involved in in big trade uh initiatives um that really changed with uh with the the discussion of possible withdrawal of NAFTA, NAFTA and then renegotiation of NAFTA, we engaged on on that matter like we've never done before, working with uh, peer groups, including a variety of ag stakeholders, but of course other other industries as well, and you know pushing really hard. Um, to us, it, it certainly made sense to take another look at NAFTA and uh, and update it. It had been roughly 25 years, um, but uh it was critical that we we keep trade uh moving open and freely uh in North America given the criticality of of both our Canadian and Mexican trading partners uh we were certainly thrilled to get across the finish line on that one i will tell you and a sigh of relief uh was was breathed I'm, I'm certain not only through our industry but but through the ag industry and through uh through every other industry that that relies on uh Uh, uh, on goods moving across the borders in this country.
0: Well, it was said to me clearly that over 25 years, uh, with the NAFTA being in place, yes, there is a a definitive line between the countries, but with terms of industry and of agriculture, we built on both sides of those lines. So it was going to be hard, if a deal wasn't negotiated, to try to reestablish walls between the two, if you will.
1: Well, you're exactly right, and and that's your industry is not alone. Um, if you look at the auto industry, for example, rails in, in the development of some autos or some parts of autos, rails will take. Parts back and forth across the border multiple times uh, through the process. So um, North America is a, is a highly interdependent trade network, and you could not just throw up walls and, and and pull everything back into to each of the three countries. We rely on each other. We work together, um, and and uh, hopefully the the region thrives because of that.
0: I don't want to drift away from the, the conversation about trade and about uh, satisfying customers, but let's bring COVID into the equation. You were caught as many other industries. Number one, you want to protect your workers at all cost, but at the same time your industry is critical to the success and the economy of the u.s you needed to keep goods moving but you also had to take care of your people
1: well that's exactly right um, and i'll tell you when i look back at 2020 the thing i'm most proud of is, is the performance of rail employees in, in keeping goods moving to, to communities and customers and and really doing so safely and all credit goes to our employees on that front um, you know certainly our companies put in a variety of protocols and to ensure social distancing in the workplace PPE uh sanitization but we are blessed with an employee base who, who shows up to work every day with a strict adherence to, to a number of safety protocols you know railroading's an outdoor sport it's a it's an inherently you know there's an inherent level of risk in railroading so our employees are are required to be focused on safety uh at number one all day, every day, and COVID was just was another added layer of that. You're right; the the businesses got hit hard, but it was critical that we continue to operate 24 seven throughout the country. Our folks can't work at home by and large, so we need folks on the job site. We need rail moving, and uh, we've been we've been successful in doing that last year and this year, continuing.
0: So, thinking then about the country and about transportation how did covid and the economic impact did it have a measured impact on your volume of shipments well
1: it certainly did and if you look back through the year um in the i would say late first quarter second quarter we saw you know upwards of a 30 percent uh traffic decrease across the board now that's a big hit and but i i recognize that some other industries you know took took much worse hits so so we're fortunate in that frame of mind but um, one thing that, that we did see is uh, rail really worked and um, uh, was, was a beneficiary of the huge boom in e-commerce um, intermodal traffic, uh, which is half of our overall traffic now, uh, really started to soar in the, the late third quarter into the fourth quarter. And we had some of our best weeks and months of intermodal movements, uh, here in the, uh, the, 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 tailing portion of 2020. Um, and, and, and that, what does that mean? You know, intermodal traffic needs to move quickly. It needs to be nimble. And, um, the, the railroads were really, able to, to rise to the occasion and, and meet those just in time needs for the intermodal customers. And I would say now um we're in a position, um of course grain is moving the gangbusters as you said, but we're we're ready to grow. We're ready to, to support the return of the industrial economy and uh keep keep this uh economy uh charging forward.
0: More with COVID uh, from Washington or from your own uh protocols and procedures, do you feel that you have COVID at hand? Or is there additional assistance that you need to remain a reliable supplier?
1: Well, as I said, we've taken uh, numerous steps um, to, to reduce risk in the workplace. And, again, pairing that with the, the focus and dedication of our employees, we've certainly not been without cases, as, as any other industry hasn't. But we have been able to manage through the process and, and have been able to, to bring folks back um, that uh, that may have been furloughed earlier in the year when traffic fell through the floor. Uh, moving forward, we think it's it's important that that railroads, um, because we are critical infrastructure providers, uh, be given appropriate priority in in vaccine distribution. Communities rely on goods uh, on rail to. Uh, to be delivered and that's, that's again a 24-7 operation. So um, as the, as the vaccine continues this initial rollout across the country, uh, we're being very vocal and very clear that, uh, critical infrastructure ro- workers and for, from where we sit, specifically rail workers, Uh, be appropriately placed uh, near the front of the line in order to get vaccinated so that we can we can keep delivering for america
0: in the presidential election of 2016 and then in this most recent uh, election the word infrastructure popped up a lot i don't know that we were able to accomplish as much with regard to infrastructure during the trump administration as was wanted uh, some country folk might say we had a, a steak appetite and a baloney budget, but the, the question the question would be, what are the needs now? And if this new Biden administration wants to pick up infrastructure, what are areas that you are most interested in?
1: Sure. So, um, you know, the, the term infrastructure and infrastructure week uh, certainly gets thrown around a lot in D.C. And uh, unfortunately, at times, has become a bit of a bit of a joke but i do think there's a, a bipartisan appetite to do do some smart things on infrastructure and railroads certainly support a, an appropriate um focus on an infrastructure package and and what i mean with appropriate focus is uh our our view our top line view is you know let's focus on the funding and i'm not talking about direct funding for rail as i mentioned um you know railroads invest billions of their own back into their networks every year. Um, but let's focus on investing uh, into into our publicly owned um, infrastructure systems, a la transit, a la highways. Uh, we do think the, the Highway Trust Fund needs to be fixed so that it can pay for itself. Um, but just as important let's stay away from divisive policy fights as i said earlier i think there's an opportunity for bipartisan legislation here let's let's put aside the differences on policy and let's focus on investment back into the country's infrastructure and i think that's something that uh, from the outset everybody can agree to and you know the the devil's in the details but um you know and we do have public partners we work with that we'd be interested in seeing uh seeing some funding go to for public partner private partnerships that we work on so um again we're not seeking uh mass amounts of money in an infrastructure package but we're supportive of it if it's done right
0: so thinking then about uh this conversation of infrastructure when i when i talk to farmers about it obviously they're concerned about bridges that have been in service for decades they're right. concerned about locks and dams that have been in service for decades that are uh dilapidated uh, for lack of a better word and there's tremendous expense in trying to replace those uh while those may be competition to you they're also a part of the system that you work with to be right. effective
1: absolutely and that i was going to make that point that we, we rely on a, a, an integrated infrastructure network. So, We need every piece of the network to function well and to be in a high operational state. So whether that's your locks and dams, whether that's ports specifically, whether that's highways and bridges, um, you know, as I mentioned, intermodal is the is the largest segment of rail traffic. So intermodal, by nature, is you know between modes. So that's that's truck to rail to truck traffic. So um, when on the highway, we need we need goods to be moving. Of course, our goal is to pull as much traffic as we can off the highway, uh, but and that takes investment. Uh, when you look at our our, our, our friends uh, at Amtrak, they're in dramatic need of investment up the Northeast Corridor. Uh, certainly a, a more urban uh, situation than than many of your listeners are focused on, but billions of dollars necessary to go into the Northeast Corridor to keep that system functioning, which is a, a hugely important um, economic asset uh, in the Northeast. So there is a need there, 100, percent and you you certainly put your your finger on a few of those. And again, we we need a system that that. That functions from from head to toe across all all infrastructure types, so um, we just got to do it the right way it's got to be got to be paid for, and uh, let's keep that policy out.
0: I wish I could get a dime for every story that will come on climate change or on sustainability over the next four years. But saying that, I'll invite the opportunity here. Is the rail industry, do you have a position on this climate smart uh, uh, directive that we appear to be heading that may include more electric vehicles and some substantial changes in the paradigm of transportation?
1: Absolutely. So I'll say a few things there. One, um, you know, it's documented moving things by rail generally. Less emissions, less fuel consumption, less, leading to less congestion, which, you know, reverberates with, with less, uh, less emissions overall. Um, so one, just simply pulling freight off the highways onto the rails is going to have an environmental, uh, benefit. Uh, number one. Two, just like other forms of transportation, railroads are investing in technologies to increase efficiency, reduce emissions, reduce environmental impact. Um, we just want to be on the level playing field that allows us to continue to innovate, innovate, demonstrate technologies and, and look toward the future, um, because there, there are benefits across the board there, whether it's fuel consumption, emissions, etc. And so, we, we feel that the industry quite honestly has a lot to offer to, to efforts to, to address climate change and, um, quite frankly is well positioned in any paradigm that credits, uh, Credits emissions, so um we feel that we can play a very positive role in any effort there are things we'd like to avoid of course um but you know taking taking the right path um there's something absolutely we can be supportive
0: of what is the desire of your organization to work closer with agriculture
1: i think we we absolutely want to work as close as we can um you know our, our companies you know always want to work with their their customers and, and share goals and certainly AG and rail have, have a huge number of shared goals and, and getting that product um, you know to market as quickly and efficiently as possible is probably you know premier goal number one but on broader issues um, in the DC arena, uh, we've, we've been fortunate to, to work with our, our ag partners on, on a number of broader public policy issues, So whether it's, whether it's uh, tax issues or, or whether it's we, we talked about USMCA earlier. That's an area we work closely with our ag partners. But we're absolutely um, always looking for working, working on matters, you know, not only with our, our ag stakeholders but with, with other stakeholders um, um, across our customer base, because the, the more we all work together, the louder our voices are and the more effective we can be. So the, the, the more issues we can identify that we have common ground on, which we probably have common ground on more issues than those that we don't, um, the more successful we can be in, in getting policy outcomes that we all benefit from.
0: Let's take a moment and just celebrate the success of a 40-year-old policy called the Staggers Rail Act.
1: Oh, absolutely. So this, this past fall, uh, we did celebrate the 40-year the anniversary of the Staggers Act, which partially deregulated railroads and really allowed railroads to, 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 to let the market uh, work when, when it comes to, to setting rates, to, to rationalize their systems, to uh, and really unleashed what has been four decades of efficiency and overwhelming investment. Uh, when I say investment, we're talking over $700 billion in private investment back into the freight rail network. And that's money that we have not had to go to Capitol Hill, that we have not had to go to the taxpayer to fund. We're talking $25, $26 billion year in and year out back into the network. And that's track, that's equipment. um, And that's what's the result of that? It's uh, a rail network that's the best shape it's ever been in and um, um, running as well as it's ever run. So Stagger's... um, it's like I said. It's it's 40 years old. It's four decades old, and um, it's it's important that we don't forget the value that that legislation really created and and the the benefits that it unleashed and continue to unleash. And uh, I was I was heartened. I was proud that uh, we had over 1,000 state and local officials and other leaders join to, to sign a letter to Congress just this fall, really reiterating the need to to keep that that regulatory balance there that has allowed things to work so well over the past four decades.
0: Ian Jeffries, we want to thank you very much for being with us on this edition of Open Mic. Sir, it is Open Mic, and today you have the last word.
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, and um, it, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're certainly, we've, we've had a, a rocky 12 months, and um, but we're, we're forward-looking in the rail industry. We're, we're preparing for tomorrow, and I think when we look at uh, the landscape over the over the, the, the mid, near, and long terms, you know, we're, we're ready for success. We're optimistic about the industry. We're optimistic about the economy. And, you know, quite honestly, just to boil it down, look forward to, to driving this economy forward and continuing to serve customers and communities across the country. So thank you so much for having me today.
0: Our thanks to Ian Jeffries, President and Chief Executive Officer of the American Association of Railroads. Our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Dallee.